Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Health Connect South Radio. Brought to you by Sherwick Media, your health and wellness content specialist. Health Connect South is to serve the health community as a sustainable platform for regional health collaborations. Through our collective work, we seek to broadly define and advance the Southeast role in the future of health. Serving as a gateway between health industry silos, we seek to provide unique and meaningful partnership opportunities in health. We are pleased to share this information and these experts with you as part of our mission. Want to be part of the discussion? Join in, tweet questions and comments at HealthCon Radio. Good morning, everyone. It's C.W. Hall, your host here on Health Connect South Radio. Joined in studio, as always, by my co-host, Diana Keo of Sherwood Media Group. It's always a pleasure to be here. I'm glad to have you here in studio with us. And today we're going to be talking about technology as it relates to helping us be a little bit more mobile, a little bit more active, trying to break out of the uh, sedentary, particularly work lifestyle that many of us have, where we sit at a desk or in a cubicle all day long and not get up and move around very much. Uh, One of our guests may be having some trouble getting here today. He was going to be talking about exercises medicine uh, from Emory, Um, so hopefully he'll be able to join us here shortly. But uh, in the meantime, we have a couple of guests who are on um, with us that are in that space that are taking advantage of all of the wearable technologies that we have out there in the community available to us, a wide variety of them, and they're harnessing the power of those to be able to help us track what we've been doing from a physical activity perspective, maybe build on that, get some feedback um, uh, about a a workout that we did, whether it was running, riding, or even lifting weights, um, to just uh, what I was saying earlier, where we were just trying to maybe get up and move around and maybe take a few more steps in the course of a day. So um, without further ado, I've got um, Mr. Mike Mike Tinney. He's the founder and CEO of Fitness Interactive Experience, and they're a cool company. They're using an application that... uh, is designed to help get people engaged with the process of trying to, you know, have some more motivation, get up and take those steps in the course of a day. They, they partner up with companies that are trying to provide some incentive to their employees to maybe move around and, and uh, be a little bit more active. Hopefully in the long run, uh, those employees will end up being a little bit more fit themselves. And then obviously a benefit to the company that's uh, engaging in that kind of effort is possibly on the other end, they might be able to see some uh, reduced costs as it relates to their healthcare expenses down the road. So thanks for taking some time to talk about what you're doing, Mike. My pleasure. Happy to be here. And JP Maxigite of Wahoo Fitness, um, they're a company that designs um, wearable devices that do just what I was saying earlier, whether you're a biker, uh, a runner, or uh, or maybe you're doing some training in the gym, their devices are wearable, track your heart rate, uh, a number of different uh, movements and things like that. So you can see, you know, frequency of steps, you know, cadence, for example, if you're a cyclist, you're trying to improve how efficiently you ride. So I look forward to talking to you a little bit more about that, JP. I've been a, I've been a user of those types of uh, technologies in the past. So it's nice to have you here. Nice to be here. Thank you. Well, let's start with you, Mike. Uh, talk about your application that uh, that you all have designed because it's kind of taken that gamification concept that we hear a lot about nowadays because it seems to be a great way. Whatever, whatever we're trying to get people to do differently or modify some behaviors where we kind of give you some feedback, maybe put a little element of competition, whether it's with myself or with others, and you're able to kind of take that concept and work with companies to enhance corporate wellness across their uh, enterprise. So talk a little bit about what you're doing. Sure. Uh, happy to. And first I'll say that gamification as a term is is 
used in a wide variety of ways. So yeah. we actually, uh, my background is in the video game industry, yeah, uh, which is where I spent the first 20 years of my career. And, and we say that we make a game that helps people become healthier, that we don't uh, gamify something. Gamification is often layering a, a game-like feedback loop on top of a non-game activity. We actually try to inspire people to take actual game-based actions. There's unpredictable outcomes. There's moments of upset. Um, our primary and most popular product is called a Step Ahead Zombies. It is a zombie outbreak simulation for your office. Your coworkers are put onto teams. Their real-world steps propel them forward. Their exercise, their nutrition affects their avatar's survivability. And at the end of the six-week challenge, some people are zombies and some people aren't. <laughs> well, that's pretty cool. So talk about, you know, let's rewind a little bit and uh, talk about your background in video games. I would, I'm curious to, to hear how you got, you know, from there to here. Yeah, like what's a nice guy like you doing in this industry now? Yeah. <laughs> I had, my, my wife had our children and uh, I was in my 40s and I wanted to be able to keep up with them as they grew up. So I had a little bit of a life perspective shift and decided to use my video game powers for good. So instead of gluing kids in front of their computers and Xboxes, we, uh, we wanted to take those same principles of engagement and behavior change and apply them to uh, health-based activities. Well, back up even further as far as the, the gaming industry and the video games that you're writing and creating. Is there anything that we would be familiar with that you've actually had a hand in? Well, my earliest part of career when I was still creating games was in the 90s before the internet was really what it is today. Um, and since then, I moved into more of the, uh, the business side and the C-suite of video games. The most popular product uh, is a game by a company called CCP called EVE Online. It's basically an online universe of digital spaceships. Uh, 400 to 500,000 people from around the world log in and play in this universe. Uh, Harvard uh, and MIT have uh, they've had thesis papers written on it. There's uh, coverage of it in the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. Real betrayal and, and human emotion drama out <laughs> plays out in this society. Uh, and it's all an interconnected thing. When you go online, you touch the lives of 400,000 other players. Uh, in the world. And in that experiment, you could call it a social experiment, real world and real life dynamics emerge. So they have their own political system that has emerged uh, organically. Uh, their players have an elected body of representatives <laughs> that negotiate with the company. And uh, when you look at that paradigm of, of how people interact and the stickiness of an online environment like that, that's socially connected that has created a, 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 a world that for some people is more real and meaningful than the one that they live in in their skin, uh, that's a pretty powerful tool, uh, and that's a pretty powerful engagement system. And, and so how did you take that thought and theory and even that kind of behavior and then transfer it into what you're doing now? How does that play out? Well, there's underlying principles that, uh, that I think work well for both. So the, the concept of uh, a, a consistent feedback loop, do this thing over and over again and you get a benefit for it in the game, applies itself extremely well to exercise and fitness and health, especially when you look at somebody who is 
starting out for the first time and receiving all of the pain and none of the rewards, to have a game reward you for taking little steps that are going to add up to big health changes uh, and give you that feedback loop in the first couple days and weeks is, is very helpful, uh, and it applies itself very well. Uh, there's a stickiness when you're socially connected to something, mm -hmm. when your friends are depending on you to do something that does not exist when you're doing it for yourself. We're three times more likely to not let another person down as we are to just cash out on ourselves and say, hey, you know what, I was going to do this, but I've got all these reasons not to do it. Uh, and there are sometimes great reasons. You know, you could work late and get more work done and your boss will thank you for it. Uh, you can come home early and your kids will love to see you home early. But when you put yourself at the bottom of the priority list, uh, you're really uh, doing yourself a long-term disservice. And uh, the social connectivity of that really helps you reprioritize that. So when I know that if I skip this, you're going to suffer in the game and your game state is going to be penalized, I'm a lot less likely to skip whatever my commitment was. It seems like just another thing I'm going to fail at. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and lis listeners cannot actually see the fact that you're actually kind of walking the talk here. Um, your arms are covered with stuff. Walk me through what's, what's all over your arms here. Sure. So um, our primary challenge is a, uh, a step-based challenge where your movement in everyday life is your currency in the game. So we partner, we do not create devices, but we partner with a variety of device manufacturers. I'm wearing a, uh, a Fitbit, uh, a Y-Things Pulse, and a Misfit Shine. They all track my steps. They all connect to my cell phone. Uh, I've connected all of the accounts to my a Step Ahead Challenge program, so all of the steps are feeding in, and our system automatically rates them and applies the one with the highest count to my, uh, to my progress in the game. So is this just kind of your competitive nature, or you're, you're not trusting one device over the other, or why three? Well, we, we represent and integrate with them all, and as the, as the designer of the game, uh, I'm constantly testing the usability of our partner products, and just uh, I need to be able to represent them to our customers. I need to be able to help a company, if they want to source them for their employees, find the one that's in the right price point with the right feature set, and... You can't really do that if you don't use them. It's so funny. It's, it's almost like some of them should be like gold and silver, so they look like jewelry. But a lot of these, um, you know, like the Fitbit, which I, you know, my problem is I always forget to put it on. Um, so, like, I'm kind of midday, I'm remembering I should actually, yeah. after I take a shower. But um, it's really kind of a pain to track what you're eating as well, because it's, there's no easy application to actually do that. So have you figured that part of this whole thing out yeah you get you get bonus points in the challenge for exercise and nutrition they're not the primary driver but they can give you an edge in the game uh, our nutrition tracking is very very macro so you get points for logging water for logging one and a half or more portions of vegetables per day same with fruit for understanding and eating primarily lean meats uh, healthy fats we don't ask anybody to count their calories. We're really just trying to get you to pay attention to what you're ordering from a menu and make one or two healthier decisions every day. Uh, and for most people, that's, that's the battle that they lose. It's, right. it's not how much, what, how much sugar am I intaking, what, what, am, what are my total calories of fat or anything like that. It's just help me not order French fries. And so, you know, a lot of doctors know, and there's always, you know, like that TV show House, the big thing was like – patients lie. 
So yeah. how, how do you accommodate for, like, especially since you're competing against other people that you're working with? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not nice to lie, but you know that people are like, oh, yeah, I had eight glasses of water today. How is that kind of made up for? Sure. Well, first of all, it's a sealed system. So we run a challenge for a company. It's typically a private challenge. If you're going to lie, you're lying to your coworkers. And there's a social accountability for that. You know, when, when we all work together and you know I'm not drinking a bunch of water or you watch me order fries and you see that I'm, I'm logging salads, you're going to call me out on that. Uh, from a game design aspect, we really drive most of the points from steps, and steps can be verified by a device. Now, whether or not a company chooses to invest in a device for their employees is a matter of budget mm-hmm. and, and whether or not the company has a high trust or a, a regular trust culture. I wouldn't call a company that does buys a device a low-trust company, but... Uh, some companies have cultures where they they have a higher degree of trust uh, than others, and you know, it just depends on the company. Goofy question, but uh, you you're, you mentioned the fact that you're wearing several different devices to kind of try them out and see how they work and and measure their usability and so forth. But and they're all linked to your account. Does it know ten thousand steps on the Fitbit isn't also 10,000 more steps that you took at the same time on the Misfit that you were wearing at the same time. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Our our system will look at all of the data points and put into play the highest of them. Okay. So they're not cumulative. They just... I see. So it just sort just picks one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in real time. So you can't game the game uh, too much. Well, but I'll give you a pro tip. The Fitbit always has the most steps. <laughs> oh, I like that. That's why I'm ah, going to stay with it. If you want to crush it. your buddies at the corporate office challenge, you need to wear the Fitbit. But these devices are are inconsistent with each other. The The value of them is benchmarking one device reading on one day against yeah. it on another day. A trend day. line more than, yeah. than the it's, actual number per se. And, and everybody has a different gait, so we could be wearing the same devices and get yeah. two totally different Stride step-downs. length and so forth. Yeah. But you talked about something when we, we chatted the other day. You mentioned the fact that there are some interesting statistics that came out of your the data that's been coming in in terms of stickiness, in terms of people's behaviors as it relates to staying with it and, and, and participating and things like Can you talk about some of the things that you've uncovered as you got in and started doing some challenges? So we've, we've had uh, 86% of the people that participate in our program report a higher level of walking and movement as a result. Uh, our program also comes with a, a mini game, which is uh, one of our hospital clients called it a sitting cessation program. You can sign up for this thing every morning. It sends you a one-minute physical activity every hour. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, and it just gets you up and moving throughout the day. Uh, we had a very encouraging corollary. 86% of the people that used our program also used this one-minute micro-challenge uh, sitting cessation game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so to see the corollary between an increase in steps and an adoption of that was was surprising and very promising. Um, about 70% of our users uh, exercised more often as a result of the program. 67% paid more attention to their lifestyle decisions. This would be uh, rest, recovery, alcohol intake, things like that. Uh, and then kind of at the bottom of the list, but still a promising number, 63% uh, paid more attention to their diet. Uh, and then three out of every four of our challenge customers uh, sign up for another one. That's awesome. I mean, you know, that's really impressive when you're starting to modify that level of, you know, when we talked about, you, you, we can say Coca-Cola, you, you, you mentioned working with, I mean, that's a large 
group of employees, um, and to have you know well over half, you know, approaching ninety percent of people, you know, getting in and getting involved with, uh, you know, more, you know, having that much of a positive effect on their behaviors. What kind of things does the sitting cessation game that's within the game have you do? Can you talk about some yeah. of the movements or different things that it's asking you to do in the meantime? Yeah, happy to. Um, first of all, the uh, the when you sign up for the for the site and create your account, you choose a program, and the program defines the types of uh, sedentary disruption activities you get. So you can choose a, kind of a CrossFit style program that is a lot of strength based movements. Um, you can choose one called Wu Sa, which is meditative and yoga based. You can choose one that is primarily all walking and uh, and endurance based movements. Uh, there's one that is an office fitness style, so you're, anything that can be done in a sports coat or heels, you, you, your fingers never touch the floor, uh, is another style of program. And inside of each of these programs, you'll get activities that are appropriate to the program. So if you're in in a CrossFit style program. You're going to get push-ups. You're going to get air squats. If you're in office fitness, you're going to get stairs. You're going to get more stretching. Um, you might get some chair squats. You might get some push-ups off the corner of your desk, uh, that type of thing. Um, Wu-Sa is going to be all stretching and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, more held poses. So almost nine out of ten people are signing up. Once they're in that challenge, they're signing up to also do those little behaviors. And I've seen some things over time, watching television, doing some reading, you know, uh, as we get to talking to Dr. Lobello, I'm sure this is kind of music to his ears, some of the things that you're inspiring people to do, uh, because those things really do begin to add up uh, with regards to your caloric consumption through the course of the day, and then just uh, some muscle development that can increase your metabolic rate um, over time. Uh, Did you get some feedback? Because I know a lot of this information came through uh, post-campaign surveys that people were filling out in, in terms of their in interaction with and engagement levels with with the the game or the application if you will um, did did people also give you feedback on in any kind of you know health related information as it related to kind of the outcome for them after the multi-week challenge whether they lost some weight or whether they had seen some changes maybe reported by a physician yeah we have had some self-reported we're a little too early to uh, kind of have a pre and post biometric mm-hmm. uh, client. But uh, we had one lady that reported that she lost 21 pounds in our pilot challenge. Uh, another guy said he went down two pant sizes uh, as a result of the challenge. So uh, we have seen kind of anecdotally that there's mm-hmm. meaningful progress gained by people. And and just if you're getting up and moving once an hour, you're... you're impact on your long-term health risks is huge. So a lot of these things are investments made for your future. Uh, You're not necessarily going to see some of these benefits. You'll feel some benefits very quickly, but you won't see the long-term health benefits and, you know, for years, but that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. So if I'm an employee of a company or even listening today, is this something that I can do on my own or do I, can I only do it through a company? Currently, the, the A Step Ahead Zombies Challenge is only available to companies. Uh, we are in the process of testing a small company challenge server. So a bunch of companies at you know, 5 to 25 employees can team up and have the same buying power as a larger company. And that's a precursor to 
the next stage beyond that would be individuals can sign up and form into teams and, mm-hmm. and behave Almost like, like a an organized group. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I can see that. I actually, I do some bowling. Okay. <laughs> and a guy on our bowling team actually created an application that lets you, when you're bowling your league tonight, you're actually also competing against other people at other sanctioned leagues via an application. So you're, you're, you're now you're, you're able to compete with people that aren't even in the same city, for example. So there may be options for that. And I would imagine that, uh, at least in, in that particular vein, people were very interested in that. So there may be options there outside of that strict, yeah. you know, the corporate side of things. We, we think so. Uh, yeah, at the end of the challenge, every company gets a survivability rating. <laughs> uh, you know, in the event of a real zombie apocalypse, uh, this is the percent of employees you can expect that would make it to the government bunker and be safe. Uh, but we then rank that against every company that's done the challenge. So you'll see kind of where your company sits in, in the overall ranking. Zombies. What, what's the reception? Because, I mean, obviously a lot of the younger people, for sure, are all about it. You know, The Walking Dead and all of that is, is all the rage. What about the, uh, the older set? I never did buy into the whole zombies thing, even though I did some video gaming myself, and then they always had a zombie component to them, but I just never went there. So what's, it sounds like many, many people are you know, entertained by it and, and are, are buying in, even if it is, you know, quote-unquote, zombies. Yeah, I, th- I think so. We, we get that it's not for everybody, but we also, you know, we're, we're creatives at heart, and we mm-hmm. built the things that we're passionate about, and we were excited about the idea. Uh, and uh, not every company hires us to do a zombie challenge. Uh, some of them hire us just to do these hourly activity challenges, which are great and healthy in and of themselves. Uh, we have a new step challenge uh, launching in June, which is an alien invasion theme. <laughs> so uh, you need to outrun the little aliens that are trying so, to kidnap you. So then uh, as you're a company looking to get this going in your, in your particular enterprise, they'll have a chance to kind of select, I guess, which, which they want, or will the individual employee have a chance to decide? We'll, we'll do challenges primarily on a, on a company-wide I basis. Gotcha. So uh, lots of companies hire us right now to do a single challenge. There are some companies that are subscribing to our, our annual plan, which is one challenge per quarter. And at that point, they kind of pick and choose. And there are multiple challenges inside of each storyline as well. So we have two different six-week zombie challenges. One is the outbreak, and the other one is the race for the cure. Um, and each of these product lines will have kind of like seasons of a TV show, yeah. multiple multiple six-week storylines. So you can really play through the entire saga of the zombie epidemic as a company over the year if you want. Now, do you do that? I mean, my next question was going to be that this is great over a short period of time, but you know, sometimes you just want to do things for the joy of it. Um, and I don't know if, if, you know, you can get people engaged for a six-week stint and they can really get into it. But after that, how do you actually maintain that interest of people actually then continuing to stay on it? Well, it, I think individual mileage varies. We found that our most successful cadence with companies is uh, one six-week challenge a quarter with a little bit of a four-week pause. Our, our platform stays running. People can still track their exercise and their nutrition. They can play the hourly disruption game, but we're not blasting them with an agenda. We're not sending them an email in the morning telling them how close the zombies are to catching them and how many steps they need for the safe house. We give them a little bit of a, a pause there, and, and that, that month break seems to refresh, folks. And your, your advocate to, uh, you know, who JP services with his 
product who are the ones that have created the lifestyle behavior changes, yeah. who are actively exercising, they're going to stick with it. And, and the folks that are just trying to create the behavior change, maybe some of them will stick through it when they otherwise wouldn't have. But even if they, they drop off the wagon, we'll be messaging them again in four weeks about the next challenge and, and using that as a call to action. Yeah, because there's, I mean, there's a difference between a short-term activity and, and you know, the activity over a six-week period. But, you know, and I'm sure that we're going to talk with Dr. Lobello about this, that behavior change, lifestyle change, and getting people to change their mindset, that this is not just a short-term activity, but it needs to be a lifestyle. Um, that's a little bit more of a challenge. I can see where among a group of people, as you've kind of, pulled in that kind of team element of it. I would imagine that at the end of a given challenge that there's still going to be pods of people that continue to, you know, work together in a group, if you will, to maintain their momentum. I know, um, you know, my wife likes to link up with people at work, for example, to make themselves get out for much the same reason. If I'm committed to meet somebody at such and such a time where we're going to go do this, you're much more likely just to, as you talked about, I can't tell you how many times I've gone to go train and I'm like, oh, feel like doing this um that's like every day for me exactly you know but when you have that other person so i would imagine that even though the we're talking about a six-week burst that perhaps some of those people probably get some momentum because i mean after a few weeks of doing something every day you can start to kind of have that be the habit i would imagine that it probably continues in between they they do there there are there are groups inside and if we're doing a, a standalone challenge for a company we'll we'll sometimes be a little sneaky and leave the website running for mm -hmm. a week or two after the challenge to let people continue to run around in there and, and do things. Uh, but uh, most of the people, when they survey out, and you know, we, we, can, we do survey at the end of every challenge, the vast majority of people say they intend to continue. Um, I firmly believe that not all of them are able to. I think you know, life and other priorities probably creep back in for a lot of folks. Mm -hmm. But uh, if any of them do it, uh, when they otherwise wouldn't have, then we still count that as progress. Of course. Now, how are you getting, you're, you're just kind of getting started. How are you getting these companies involved with you? What are you doing to let them know that this is here and available? Uh, we have two main uh, ways that companies find us right now. Uh, we do a number of HR and health trade shows. Okay. Um, where Like Sherm and those yeah, types of things. And yeah, we're just, we're a little different. We have a big panel of zombie pictures and and uh that's our booth uh it's it's themed like our product uh, so it looks very different from uh, pretty much every other booth at one of these shows uh and then the just the concept of of playing a game like this as a corporate wellness challenge seems to have developed a lot of attention in the press so you know we've been on cnn and usa today and fast company just did a piece on us and we have a lot of uh, a lot of companies similar to a consumer, kind of exploring our website on their own, identifying with the brand and the product and self-selecting as, as a likely adopter. So, As I mentioned when we spoke last week, uh, one of the things that we try to ask these companies that are uh, working in the community to advance our overall population health, um, clearly you're in that space. We, we ask, what do you need to move this thing forward? Sounds like obviously awareness is one of those things. Anything else that you sit around the boardroom going, gosh, if we had access to this kind of resource, we would really make this thing happen? Uh, the only thing I would put on the list right now is that, uh, you know, as a young company, we're still a startup. Uh, we're reaching the point where it's probably going to make sense for us to go out for more capital so we can stay mm -hmm. ahead of our growth curve. Um, and organic growth is fine, but uh, 
I'm a little worried as the CEO that we might be challenged to keep up with demand. Yeah. Um, can you talk about where folks can go and, and get some information about you? And then we'll jump over and uh, bring some of our other folks on here. Absolutely. Uh, you can go to astepaheadchallenge.com. And are they able to go ahead and sign up there? Or they just kind of request contact for you to kind of help them through that process? Yeah, they, they can fill out a, just a little info form that tells us a little bit about them. Uh, and then you'll get an email from uh, one of us within a day or two. All right. And any social media that you're out there uh, signed up on right now? Twitter uh, under at Utilifit, okay. which is our, uh, our tech platform. And then we're on Facebook uh, as both uh, Fitness Interactive Experience, our company name, and, and Utilifit, our we'll, tech platform. We'll make sure we tie in with you there so folks can find you easily that way, and they can also be getting information with you. I'm going to jump over and talk to Dr. Felipe Lovello. He's a uh, professor at uh, Emory, and he's with the Global Health Department and the Rollins School of Public Health. Um, and director of Exercise is Medicine. And clearly, I mean, this fits right in with what we've been talking about. Um, thanks for joining us on the show today, Dr. Labello. And, and, and talk a little bit about that side of things as it relates to our conversation here. We, we talked about the fact that exercise, you know, clearly is medicine. You can begin to affect a number of biometric markers, whether it's our glucose level, if I'm a diabetic, for example, blood pressure, um, heart disease, uh, all of those things advance more slowly um, if I'm moving versus not. So can we jump in and kind of talk about some of the science behind what we've been talking about? Uh, sure. It's uh, great to be on the show. Um, yeah, exercise truly is medicine. And it's, um, you know, for, for my colleague, the physicians out there and, and other healthcare providers, we're obviously... Uh, always thinking about that magic polypill that's going to reduce the risk of heart disease and cancer and obesity. And there is nothing that gets closer to that, you know, polypill than exercise. Um, you know, there is sufficient evidence showing that more than 40 diseases, most of them chronic diseases, uh, are positively affected by exercise and physical activity. Um, more than just the health benefits are the psychosocial benefits. Most of us, most of us exercise or are active because it's fun. Uh, not, not so many people exercise because uh, they're looking down the road five or ten years down the road in terms of their health benefits. Of right. course, some are. Um, so we need to combine those messages when we're talking about the benefits of exercise and the likelihood of someone sustaining behavior change, which as we've been discussing, is very complicated. Second leading cause of mortality in the world. That's pretty impressive. And, and obviously, I, I guess that our technology is, is kind of one of those things that's a, a big benefit for us, but also, I guess, one of the reasons why many of us are less active. Is that kind of playing a role, whether it's coming into play on, a, on an assembly line even, for example, to robots and things like that are doing work that men would be doing or women uh, on, the, on the line um, physically active. Now we're not. Is that kind of what they're thinking is one of the big impacts on why we're less mobile now than we used to be? Yeah. So as a species, we are biologically created to be active. You know, if, if you think about it, most of our systems were developed to move and find food. Our muscles, our brains actually develop as we start moving to find food. So we are really wired to be active and be active on a very um, 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 
large bases. We're not really talking about a few steps here and there. We're supposed to be active to find food and to cover long distances. Humans are actually very efficient in, in terms of running and covering long distances. And obviously technology and uh, modern day has removed our, uh, you know, the, the necessity to find food. We have mm-hmm. food readily available and we don't need to move anymore. Why is physical inactivity the second um, cause of death worldwide? Because it affects so many risk factors and so many diseases, diseases that are the main killers in the world. Heart disease, cancer, diabetes. Physical inactivity drives all these diseases and also drives the healthcare costs associated with these diseases. So, for example, we know that in the U.S., inactivity costs a whooping 10% of the aggregated healthcare expenditures in the U.S., that's pretty 10%. significant. Percent. So more than a hundred billion dollars a year is costing our society and our healthcare system, which is broke by the way, inactivity. So not just the health uh, burden, also the economic burden. Well, you know, you. It doesn't sound like you've blamed the increased portion sizes. It doesn't sound like you've blamed the food industry. When you hear this you know, the media or even anyone talking about the fact that this is to blame for the obesity crisis or this is to blame. How do you react to that or even, you know, the, the work that you're doing? How do you respond to that? I think we need to be very careful and be very uh, evidence-based when we talk to patients and the general public about the main health concerns of the world. I used to work at the CDC, and at the CDC we have this concept that you have to work in areas that are important for health around the world. Chronic diseases are the main killer. Of those chronic diseases, hypertension and then inactivity are the main killers. Our society is obsessed with obesity. And obesity, don't get me wrong, is an important risk factor, but inactivity is more important than obesity. And the fact that we are just talking about calories and nutrition blurs the fact that there is a risk factor that we're not measuring and that we're not talking about that probably has a more important uh, uh, health burden. And also, we need to remember that active people, no matter their weight, have a better likelihood to reduce the risk of chronic diseases. So activity is important not only to keep a healthy weight, but it's also important for those persons that have overweight and obesity to be active because that way they reduce the risk of diabetes and cancer and heart disease. So obesity is an important risk factor. Inactivity is probably as important, of course I'm biased. We need to be talking about both of them and we need to have a much more uh, um, balanced approach when we consider these factors that affect health. Well, there's a lot of, um, you know, talk around energy balance. And could you just kind of explain what that is? And then is there a difference between good calories versus bad calories? It's a simplistic approach when we think about energy that comes in versus energy that we burn. And that's sort of like the concept of energy balance that uh, most of us understand. What's important here is that our biology primarily our muscle, which is probably one of the most important organs that we're not talking about, uh, is affected by both the calories that we consume, but also the movement and the quality of movement, the intensity of movement that we typically engage on. There are little 
uh, energy uh, um, uh, depots in the muscle. And there's also the mitochondria, which are the little parts of the cell that take care of that energy and you know, process that energy that are the, at the cross, crux of energy balance. So someone that has healthy muscle in terms of quality and quantity is going to be better able to deal with the energy that that person consumes. So again, it's not just about the calories that we eat or the type of calories that we eat. It's also about the quality of the cells, the quality of the muscle that's going to take care of that energy that we're consuming. And, you know, like every story, there's two sides of the coin. And we're obsessed with one side and we're completely paying no attention to the other side that's probably more important. And when you talk about the the muscles and things like that as they're affected by physical activity, are, is the big thrust of the the value of the activity itself coming more, because I, I know that, as you talked about, it's a simplistic view where we talk heavily about calories. I think it's an easy thing for people to kind of contemplate uh, and get their arms around. But when it comes to physical activity, I know that certain their hormones, for example, in our body are affected in terms of up or down uh, in positive directions when we're moving around uh, the types of glycerides or triglycerides rather and those types of ratios and things like that. Is that kind of the thrust of what we're talking about here is the, the chemistry that comes from the physical activity? Is that what we're getting at? The, the effect of physical activity on the body is so complex that I joke with my colleagues that work in the uh, you know, in the clinical work. And um, one, one of the m- most complex areas of medicine is when you sadly end up in a intensive care unit because there's so many hormones and physiology behind the problems and when someone's very sick in the intensive care unit. To understand all that physiology requires a lot of understanding about normal state physiology and then you understand what the problem is. With physical activity, we have, you know, you know, doing a parallel, a similar scenario. Physical activity affects so many different hormones and regulation systems, not only on the muscle. We're talking about the connection between our gut and our brain that tells us how much energy do we need to eat on a regular basis. So it turns out that when you're active chronically or you're, you know, an active person, your appetite regulates much better. So you end up consuming the energy that you need based on your activity levels. So it's not only the acute effect of exercise burning that energy or extra energy that you consume, it's the chronic effect of staying active that helps all these hormones and all these regulation systems to titrate how much activity and how much food do you need to sustain that activity. And so with all the the science that we're talking about and physiology behind the fact that Physical activity is important, obviously, to our overall health, and particularly as it relates to trying to avoid chronic diseases that we know are very expensive and costly from a physical and emotional perspective on a family. Talk about the Exercises Medicine uh, Initiative, because from what I understand, it's really kind of taken off. It's it's multi-continent. It's, it's uh, multi-entity that are committing to trying to implement this. So talk about that, uh, and then we'll get into what do we need to make that initiative a success. So we have about 60 to 7 years of research understanding the health benefits of exercise and physical activity and those are pretty clear by now. What we're lagging behind is implementing those specifically on the healthcare system. Sadly, doctors are not trained on this. Especially in the US, 
health systems are typically not supporting physical activity and behavior change, what we call lifestyle medicine. We are uh, too focused on other things, disease te technology disease. and disease focused. Mm -hmm. and we're not focused on, again, one of the main risk factors, I'm not going to say is the first, the second, or the third, one of the main risk factors for all these diseases that we're trying to reduce and prevent. The Exercises Medicine Initiative has one single focus, and it's to make physical activity and exercise part of standard healthcare. And by that, we mean that whenever a patient sees a doctor, he'll get assessed on how active they are, and he'll get a prescription, and ideally, a referral to a program that can help that inactive patient become more active. Mm. So it's really connecting the clinical world with the community world because we know exercise is gonna happen in the community. We are not expecting doctors just by saying, hey patient, you need to exercise, that's gonna change. Yes. That's a start, but we really need to connect those patients to a network of programs that are perfectly certified and um, tailored to the needs of that patient. So what's the underpinning of the, of the initiative? How are you getting that to the, I mean, because we're talking just in the United States, how many thousands, if not more, tens of thousands of physicians or hundreds even. Um, All of whom have not been trained in this. Yes. So, well. so from a logistics perspective, how are you, obviously you can begin to interface with, say, the Emory College of Medicine, for example, and, and start having that be getting to the new guys and well, gals. Well, even but, back uh, up, I mean, they don't even ask the question when you walk into the yeah. office, you know, you, all your vitals are taken, but... It would seem that's a monumental yeah. task. So how do you even get them to ask the question about if I'm exercising at all? Yeah, so there's so many moving pieces. And on paper, this seems very simple. Oh, exercise is important. Let's talk about it. When we were talking about implementing it as a standard of healthcare there's a lot of things that need to happen. One mm -hmm. of the first ones is, as you, as you mentioned, including exercise as, as a vital sign. And there's a number of healthcare systems that are already doing that. Kaiser Permanente, for example, is one, where every patient, when they're getting ready to see the doctor, they get asked how much activity they do on a regular basis. And that question is really trying to screen patients that are inactive versus patients that are getting the recommended dose of exercise, which by the way, we haven't, I don't think we've mentioned it, is 150 minutes of moderate to vigorous exercise per week. So establishing a physical activity vital sign within the electronic medical record is one of the key areas that the EIM Research Center at Emory and this initiative is trying to accomplish, is making the case that this is an important factor that needs to be asked by doctors and the health system. Another important piece of, uh, of, of implementation science here is that there's many doctors, there are many doctors that believe in exercise and actually talk to ex exercise with their patients. But if they don't have the support from the health system, if there is not a question on the EMR, if there is not a referral network that they can refer the patients to, their efforts are going to be futile. So we need to work on a health system level. So the focus of exercises medicine initially is really working with health systems, hospitals, large systems that are willing to make that step and take lifestyle medicine and preventive care to the forefront by, for example, establishing the physical activity vital sign. It's interesting. I interviewed one of his colleagues, Dr. Salas, from um, the Kaiser Permanente system, who actually is very implemental in this whole exercise is medicine. And one of the things that he said, which I thought was extremely interesting, is that he can always tell 
when someone walks into his office, whether they exercise or not, based on their color, based on their vitality, based on their vital signs. Um, and it does not surprise him at all if there's an 80-year-old man that comes in looking 60 um, if he's an exerciser because it's just so apparent how it plays out in their lives. And, I mean, have you found the same thing? Yes. And, you know, one of the important things about exercise medicine is that we have champions like Dr. Salas and many other, other doctors around the country and around the world that are really advocates, real good advocates for this concept. But what we need to make sure is that the doctors that are maybe on the fence and not true believers in this actually understand that this is not about whether you want to do it or not. This is almost malpractice. Exercise is more beneficial for preventing diabetes than the best pharmaceuticals out in the market. If you as a doctor are not prescribing exercise as the first line of treatment, you're not providing the best care for your patient. And that happens with other diseases. There's a recent study with more than 350,000 patients, data collected from different studies, showing that exercise has equal or more benefits than pharmaceuticals for heart disease and for stroke mortality. So again, if we're not talking about exercise in a very uh, clear way with our patients, we're not providing the best uh, drug or treatment available for that patient. And we're really talking about... Uh, you know, malpractice. Yeah. You know, it, it is interesting. You've said a couple times the healthcare system has really failed in this initiative. And it is interesting that our other guests are basically now, because the healthcare system isn't doing it, now going That's into the workplace yeah. Yeah. because it's now fallen on the half of, you know, as an employer myself, it's, it's up to me to make sure that my people are moving as opposed to my employees' doctors. The engagement side of that in terms of making it happen, when the physician talks to the patient, and I'm sure that, uh, I mean, in her own practice, which is focused on wounds, uh, we tell people, you got to stay off this, you know, from an offloading perspective, but yet compliance is a challenge. And I know that when we're talking to patients about a lifestyle change like this, where you, you need to move, it's so vague and it's so kind of ambiguous. There's tools like this, uh, like we were talking about with Mike and, and uh, soon here, JP. Um, how are you getting that What's the thrust there? I, you mentioned a referral source. Do you where do you try to get folks to get these patients involved with? Not just telling them, you know. Obviously, it's better than nothing if you're at least talking about it, telling people you need to get out and at least do some walking, give some ideas. But what kind of referral sources are you recommending that they get their patients involved with to hopefully get some of that compliance that's obviously necessary? Yes, that's at the end of the day, that's where the action happens. You know, we we are really working to make exercise part of the healthcare system to get the ball rolling. We want the doctor to quarterback this or the health system to quarterback it, to, to put it in the radar of the patient. But the action is going to happen in the community. Exercise is medicine has approach uh, uh, that uses population health management to stratify the risk of those patients. And we typically try to focus on the health systems that are piloting this on the 20% of patients that have multiple chronic conditions and that actually cost the health system 80%. And trying to develop specific programs, typically these are 16-week programs, to get these patients from completely sedentary to, uh, to get them more active. And then we can hand them off to 
programs use, utilizing technology or other programs that are going on that can uh, uh, make that lifestyle change sustain over long periods of time. So this referral network, we're really talking about patients that are sick, patients that have diabetes and heart disease, uh, that are middle to high cardiovascular risk. And we have a number of certified exercises medicine professionals, these are typically fitness professionals, that deliver these group-based exercise programs in the community, uh, ideally uh, on, uh, uh, on a referral network so that the doctor sees the patient and the EMR directly sends that patient to a certified program that's close to that patient. This, this is sort of like the model that we're utilizing because we're trying to align with population health management and the way healthcare system works. Walking through the airport or even walking here, um, do you ever get discouraged in what you're doing? I get happy because I know I'm going to have job security for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the reason we have exercises medicine as part of the global health department at Emory is because we have so much to learn from other countries. Latin America and Brazil, every primary care unit has an exercise professional and has a paid by the government fitness program that happens on plazas, on the beach, and it's fun and everyone's active. In Europe, in the UK, the health system pays for this referral network so that the primary care doctor can send the patient to a fitness center for this initial, initial physical activity program. So we have so much to learn from other countries and trying to implement back to U.S., but the U.S. also has uh, stuff to, to share. The technology, we are leaders in the technology and how to measure physical activity and how to get people active with this gamification and other processes, and we're hoping that we can merge those two uh, pools of evidence to make physical activity more prevalent within the health system in the world. So how, what do you need now? I mean, that, you know, as we, we ask, as I, I want to make sure we get a chance to talk to JP before we run out of time. Um, when you sit around your boardroom table, if only this, clearly awareness is a big thing. Um, what, but what, what are you looking for in terms of resources that will really begin to make this happen at the grassroots level where it really needs to, at the front end where the care is being delivered? We know health systems are frantically looking for interventions to address population health management. Mm -hmm. And we want them to know that there is a program that is focused on implementing physical activity into healthcare. This is exercises medicine. The, and the EIM Research Center at Emory provides consultation to these big health systems so that they can implement the vital sign, the referral network, the connection, the certification of doctors and fitness professionals. So we have evidence. We have the program. Now we need brave health systems and health systems that are ready to implement this to pilot it. And I'm sure once they see the data, they're going to implement it for many, many other health systems. It's sort of like, you know, you have the early adopters, the Kaisers of the world and other health systems. But this is probably in the next five to ten years going to become mainstream because we need to do something about it. The health system is broken, and we cannot sustain the costs of chronic diseases. Physical activity is one intervention, but it's probably one of the most important ones. Are you starting to get some feedback from the KPs of the world that the impact that it's having on their incident rates, their, mor their morbidity rates, if you will, of, of these chronic diseases? Data is currently being collected right now, but we have a number of pilot studies both in the U.S. and other countries showing that the system is feasible, doctors like it and health systems like it. And patients also 
go to these programs, those patients that go to 50% or more of these 16-week sessions actually have reductions in blood pressure, glucose, triglycerides, cholesterol, insulin resistance. So it's effective. And the data from other countries show us that it's also cost-effective. That's why the UK and Brazil decided to invest billions of dollars in these referral networks. So we have the data. It may not be one uh, you know, perfect U.S. study, but we have enough data to generate action. Where do the health systems need to go to get the information that they need to get involved? www.exercisesmedicine.org. You'll find all the evidence about the initiative and with the steps to get involved and to get connected with us. And uh, the School of uh, Public Health, the Global Health Department at uh, Rollins uh, at Emory University also has the information about our, our involvement in it. Dr. Felipe Lobello from Emory, thanks for taking some time to talk about this. Clearly, it's a big topic, and we can probably do some more coverage. Uh, JP, um, you kind of fit into that technology side of things, and, and as we talked last week, uh, your your technology is really designed and aimed heavily at the person who's kind of an athlete already or maybe a pretty active person, and they're wanting to increase their level of, of fitness or improve on certain areas, whether it's efficiency, whatever it may be. So uh, talk about what you all are doing there at Wahoo. Sure. Wahoo Fitness, we're about helping athletes achieve their goals. Athletes being either a weekend warrior, um, a lot of people here, or a pro athlete. And so it's athletes of all different uh, types of abilities. And achieving their goals, a lot of the goals that we see are fall into two categories, getting fit, so helping uh, with weight loss or as uh, Felipe was talking about, just being healthy overall or um, getting fast and trying to you know, win that 10K race. So getting fit or getting fast, we're helping athletes achieve those goals. And from you know, being a person who uh, I was a- athletically active through, you know, through the college years and kind of continued it <laughs> roughshod since uh, then. You just less, mentioned bowling. Don't l- get, less don't is more. Give us a break. I didn't call it a sport. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, one of the things that I've learned over time is that to be effective and really to take advantage of the time element and, and to, to train smartly, knowing what you did last time is, is clearly valuable information that, that you can then kind of gauge this particular effort against. And, and from what I understand, that's some of the things that your technology does for you. Yeah, everybody is busy in today's world, and we're really about how do you use your workout time as efficiently as possible. And so that's what we try to do is give people information so they can use that efficiently and achieve their goals. Information after the workout is nice and you can do some things. Information while you're working out, when you can change things, when you can alter your workout, is awesome, and that's where we're going. And oops, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to ask. So, what does this look like? Are we talking about a platform, an app, or you know, something that we stick in our you know implant under our skin? What are we talking about here? Yes, all of us. Uh, <laughs> although we don't have the implant, just uh, although if you saw our April Fools uh, email, we did have an implant. We won't go there though. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So it's Wahoo Fitness is about connected devices, and so we have. Um, measurement devices either on your body, a wearable, or on uh, um, your bike. Your bike, exercise equipment, it could be on a ball, anything that is connected in a smart way to a smartphone or a computer that then gives you that information. So um, you can have really precise measurement about what you're doing while you're working out. Okay. So I don't need to be 
basically, I can be more than a weekend warrior to actually take advantage of it, and I can just be starting out to take advantage of this. Absolutely. We have uh, pro athletes, Team Sky, um, professional triathletes, professional soccer players, lots of, of pros use our devices, and um, people who are trying to get you know, that first uh, 10K out there who are using our training plans and our devices to help them improve. Now, I know a lot of friends that use this this uh, couch to 5K. Um, you know, how does it compare? What are we talking about here? We've, I, I know it's the devices thing, but what exactly is it? What are we talking about? So one of our devices is a uh, chest strap that has a heart rate monitor as well as an accelerometer, so it'll measure your motion. So heart rate measures intensity of exercise. Motion can tell you what you're doing, how many reps you're doing. Our device will count the number of push-ups, the number of squats, the number of whatever, and uh, you can't lie. And so you, you know how many you did. And, and, you know, we were talking earlier about do people lie on things? If they're <laughs> you can't lie on this. You, you hit a button, you upload, and that's how many you did. You talked about the fact that the, uh, that the chest strap that you mentioned has the ability to kind of help you become a little bit more efficient with regards to your running technique because and, and it, it measures, as you, you talked about, the accelerometer is measuring um, a, a range of movement so you can actually begin to improve the, you know, how efficient are you running? Are you running quietly, which means that you're probably going to be less likely to suffer injury, for example, if you're running more efficiently. And you can go faster in the same period of time, same, same effort. That's right. We've, uh, we have a um, PhD in kinesiology who does all of our algorithms and who's developed a, uh, a measure called running smoothness how smooth are you are as a, as a runner. And th that's important for just what you said, so you can be more efficient as a runner, so you're not using wasting energy if you're running long distances. And also it helps with injury prevention. If you're not herky-jerky, if you're smoother, then you'll, you'll have less likelihood of injury. You have an application that uh, helps guide you through pretty high-intensity workouts. Can you talk about that real quick? Yeah, we have a seven-minute workout, which is... I'm uh, very interested in that. <laughs> talk about using your time efficiently. They're hard. They are hard. <laughs> it's a hard seven minutes. And, and it's been scientifically proven that, that, that if you do this exercise protocol, that that is a very efficient way to increase your heart rate, use your, your muscles, lots of different body parts. It's a... Um, a body weight exercise, so you don't need anything mm -hmm. but a chair. Mm -hmm. I love and it. And so um, you can do it anywhere and, uh, you know, even in the office, I guess. I uh, think that that's a things. big piece that really ties this into our conversation today where we're trying to get people to move more. Tell them how they can get in touch with you because you have a wide range of devices from training bikes to equipment that you can fit on your road bike and, and the wearables you talked about. So where can they go to find out all the different options you have? WahooFitness.com and everything is there. Um, any kind of social media that uh, folks need to know about so they can tie in with you there? Sure. There's, there's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of the social media. Well, JP and uh, Felipe, Mike, I want to say thanks so much for taking some time. I think it's a cool topic. I think clearly we need to be spending some more time. It makes our hour go by so fast. My gosh, I can't believe we're done already. Seriously. Um, it's one of those that I think that... Um, I believe that with the new changes in, in legislation and so forth, uh, one of the good things that's going to come out of that uh, 
Dr. Labello is uh, putting more emphasis on prevention and and outcomes and things like that, so, and moving away from a focus on treating a disease once we have it. Why don't we just prevent the disease? It's probably a lot cheaper. So um, make sure that you tie in with the show at HealthCon Radio on Twitter. Um, link up with all these guests, and and if you're a health system out there, you know get with the folks there at Emory with the Exercises Medicine uh, Initiative. Any final thoughts with you, Diana? Before we have to jump off, I think off? we should have them all back. This went way too fast, it and really I think did. we just scratched the surface. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, any final thoughts from anybody else before we have to uh, run out the door? It's excellent that we're trying to get people more active, but we really need to get those that are completely sedentary do something. And every step counts. Every little lifestyle behavior change counts. You know, we, we really need to focus on those that are on the low end of the spectrum to have population impact for physical activity do something. That's right. Get out and move and just do a little bit. And if you're listening out there today, we can't tell you enough how much we appreciate you making time to join us here on the show. If you have a chance, turn around and share this content with your networks because that's what we're all about, is getting the word out about what these health experts are doing. You just might be the reason why one of these health organizations gets to move their initiative forward. And who knows how many people could have a healthier life because you turned around and hit share. So thanks for that. And for everybody here in the studio, we really appreciate you making some time to come and share this important information make an appointment to see us in the studio same time same place next week this show is brought to you by sherwick media sherwick is the health and wellness solution content that inspires change learn more at www.sherwick.com that's sharewik.com and link up with us on facebook and twitter